This is Sound and Vision on KEXP. I am Emily Fox. And on Friday, KEXP celebrated the 50th anniversary of Marvin Gaye's album, What's Going On? Picket lines and picket signs Don't punish me with brutality Talk to me so you can see Here to talk about the record and why it matters is Larry Mizell Jr., who we've been hearing from this morning. Hi, Larry. Hey, Emily. How are you doing? Good. So I absolutely love this record, and I'm so glad KEXP is celebrating this record because both of my parents grew up in the Detroit area. And in fact, a house that my dad grew up in ended up being occupied by Smokey Robinson's family later down the line. So there's like a little bit of that Motown connection there. Wow, that's so cool. <laughs> but, you know, considering where my parents grew up, like like Motown was definitely a part of, you know, what would be coming out of our speakers in our home. And, and especially this album. I feel like this is an album that my dad and I really connected with. Like I remember mm. later in life being in the car with him and him just being like, this was the best album ever. Marvin Gaye's rendition of the national anthem is the best thing ever. (laughs) Just, It is a wonderful album. And I'm just curious what this album means to you personally. Uh, Well, one, I'm, I'm, I'm really, really, I love hearing that those memories and the family connection to it, because I I really relate to that for one. And I think a lot of people do Um, this album in particular you know, when I first was growing up, Marvin was kind of in the air in general, listening to his greatest hits on cassette and my mom's Vida bug all the time. But uh, I, I can't say I was like a big album listener at that point in my life. I was a child. It was like later in high school when I really started to get a lot more serious about music and research. And uh, I listened to the record back to front and was just bowled over, you know, by the emotional content of it and how much he poured into it and thinking about how much he affected everything to come after with that statement of self-determination you know that it was making that record himself or at least producing it himself and wanting to put out this record against barry gordy's wishes in the first place um was huge yeah and i didn't realize that story until i was just doing research today that like Again, my bias and like my <laughs> this Detroit influence here, like for some reason growing up, I always thought that this was about like the 67 Detroit race riots. But it's 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 very much about Vietnam. And and I guess like the impetus for this album is, I guess, uh, a member of the Four Tops wrote um, what's going on. Marvin Gaye sang it. But also when he presented it to Motown, they're like, we're not going to we're not going right. to run with this. And Marvin Gaye's like, if you do not push out this album, I will not create anything else for you. Right. And then, you know, it goes on, you know, reaching number one in the R&B charts within a month and staying there for five weeks. You know? Right. <laughs> right. It's a whole journey there. Like Obi from the tops saw, uh, I think he was on tour and saw a demonstra- anti-war demonstration in the Bay Area. And he sees these, these young people getting, you know, beat over the head by the police. And he really was asking himself, what's going on here? And, and that's where that came from. And also worth noting, you know, when he first came up with that concept, it had a question mark. It was a question. What's going on? When Marvin made it, he very intentionally took the question mark off, made it a statement. And why is is that? He was saying, this is what's going on. Mm. You know what I'm saying? He wasn't asking. He was trying to inform people. 
And uh, yeah, when he first cut that song, after tailoring it to himself and really breathing into the material, Barry Gordy, um, who was his uh, father-in-law at that time (laughs) also, um, was like, you know, this is terrible. He said, you know, Barry was on record saying it's the worst song he'd ever heard. And, um, you know, he hated like the, the scatting, like the jazz Dizzy Gillespie thing he was doing in the middle. He said, that's old school. I don't like it. And it just wasn't going to happen. And Marvin made an ultimatum and they, they were kind of at a standoff. And this was at a period where Marvin also hadn't touched the stage for a couple of years, hadn't put any new music out. They were just kind of repackaging old stuff because he was really distraught after um, Tammy Terrell dying, uh, you know, passing out in his arms on stage and then dying. And that was his musical partner. Yeah. That was his, yeah. It was one of his, his most famous collaborators. And, uh, so he was really adamant about this record and, and this being the one that inspired him. And it, it really took some subterfuge to get it out. I believe from what I read, uh, Barry Gordy went out of town and another Motown exec went to the head of sales for Motown and told a guy like, listen, if we don't put out this Marvin song, we're not getting any more Marvin Gaye. And Marvin being one of the faces of the label at that point and a huge hit maker at that point, after years of not being, you know, that was a big deal. So the director of sales, you know, made a call on his own, got a, I think like a hundred thousand or more singles pressed up, sent them out to DJs within a week or so of them playing it. If I'm not mistaken, it was sold out everywhere. It was a huge hit (laughs) and Barry's hands are pretty much tied and Barry's a master manipulator. So he, he made a bet to Marvin immediately, drove right to his house and said, I bet you cannot deliver a full album around this in a month. Hmm. And of course, Marvin took him up on it in a series of like marathon recording sessions. That's, I mean, for him, I mean, you know, you had, you had mentioned, you know, Tammy. I mean, that's, you know, when we think about Marvin Gaye and, and, and Tammy Terrell, it's, you know, the song Ain't No Mountain High Enough, right? Right, But right. W- was this like the first, I mean, I feel like this this album, is was it a, a huge shift for him in terms of Definitely. content and sound? Absolutely. Absolutely. He, he was, you know, he was one of the faces, he's the prince of Motown, and Motown uh, was a pop label. First and foremost, they kind of resisted being termed R&B, soul, any of that stuff. They were trying to be pop, trying to be the voice of young America, the sound of young America, literally. And, you know, Barry wasn't trying to make what they called race music at one time. He was trying to be in every household. He wanted, you know, he sent in the Supremes and the Marvelettes to charm school. You know, he wants everybody's elocution to be good in case they're in Buckingham Palace, like real stuff here. <laughs> you know, he wasn't interested in 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 any in investing in like anything that could be called protest music. They'd had a little bit of that. You know, Edwin Starr did war and stuff like that, I think, I think later. But uh, he wasn't trying to get political, you know, in such a way. So he was really resistant to it. And Marvin, I think, had been wrestling with his image for a while. He wanted to be like a smooth Nat King Cole type of dude, you know, crooner at one point. That material didn't really take off for him. And then he got into a more pop vein. And so I think he really struggled with how he was going to present 
himself and his music going forth. So it was a huge 180 for Marvin Gaye. Absolutely. I think even that's when we first got the beard, you know, mm. that's, Marvin was clean faced before that, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. Interesting. You know, for this record, what's going on? We obviously have the hit single, What's Going On. What's going on? What's going on? Yeah, what's going on? Other songs that I'm familiar with is Mercy, Mercy Me. Whoa. Oh, mercy, mercy me. And then Inner City Blues. But today, you want to break down three other songs in this record that aren't the singles. And I want you to break those down and, and why, you, why you chose these three tracks. Right on. Well, I wanted to choose these three because they're not the singles, the, the, the ones everybody knows. And because it, there's there's three immortal singles on that record of course but it's it's an album album it's 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 a concept record meant to be listened to as one continuous suite of music and it was the first time that he'd done that uh, and it wasn't the last you know his whole kind of brilliant run of music after that followed in the formula that he created with what's going on so the first track i want to focus on is the second track right after the title track what's happening brother That song is basically told from the perspective of Marvin's little brother, Frankie Gay. Frankie had been in Vietnam and uh, had come back and was telling Marvin about his experience. And Marvin was broken up about it and uh, was agonized hearing about what was going on overseas and what his brother had been through. So he wrote this song talking about a veteran who just returned home to find he couldn't find any work, couldn't find a job didn't have any money, didn't recognize the country, and felt like people were, were, were more apart than ever. Can't find no work, can't find no job, my friend. Money is tied up and it's ever been. Say, man, I just don't understand what's going on across this land. Oh. Uh, he was just trying to kind of find the beat where, you know, where does everybody hang out at? What's going on? Is our team going to win the championship? There's a bunch of mundane stuff to it, you know, but really he's just trying to check in with his friend. How in the world have you been? The way he says, how in the world have you been? It just breaks me every time. This is a person looking for connection after being basically in, in deep space, you know, compared to their old life. Well, I woke up with a minute. And tell me, friend, how the world have you been? So I really love that track. And um, it's just one of the instances on this record where he's he's talking to his family. There's a lot of echoes of kind of stuff to come in his life all over this record. But this kind of like love shown for his brother and his experience and thus for everybody who shared that experience. It's really, really affecting to me. What's happening, brother? Uh, the next track I wanted to focus on is the one immediately after it. Uh, flying High, a.k.a. Flying High in the Friendly Sky. This song is um, kind of a natural segue from 
what's happening, brother, in the story of the vet returned from war. It's about addiction and where people were turning for solace in these dark times. And of course, so many of our vets returned home, found themselves in the grips of addiction. So talking about flying high in the friendly sky, that being a friendly place, one of the only friendly places accessible for the narrator here, a black man in America, 1970, talking about the folks are tired and weary and they've laid their bodies down. So he goes to the place where danger awaits me and it's bound to for- forsake me. Because, you know, he's addicted, so he's got to put himself in situations that, that aren't really safe in order to find any kind of relief from the pain. But the pain comes anyway at night when uh, the need kicks back in. And it's a really, really gripping song, the way he's talking about you know, self-destructions in my hand. You know, he's praying to the Lord for for some guidance and some relief. Marvin was really invested emotionally in everything he did, but especially this song, you know, because he was coming to grips with his own addiction at that point. He had a deep cocaine addiction that was not even really had reached its zenith yet and he was coming to grips with with that and uh and that was when this album was happening yeah yeah Mm -hmm. this had been a thing for a while uh, as far as i knew you know he'd been kind of living the high life for a while so i think he was starting to to see the the downsides and the ugly sides of it at this point was getting worried and a little anguished and of course you know marvin's a, a church boy and he's uh there's a tension between his his spirituality and his his connection to God and uh, the failures of his body, if you will. And the third track I want to talk about comes right after the last, Save the Children. One of the most emotional performances Marvin Gaye's ever given on record. Um, starts off with him saying, I just want to ask a question. Who really cares to save a world in despair? Who really cares to save a world in despair? And it's just a desperate plea for people to think about what's to come after. He's praying for for some long-sightedness, you know, whether it's we're talking about the ecology, as he touched on, in Mercy, Mercy Me, or addiction, police brutality, racism. He was just really, really sick, concerned that the world left to his children and his children's children was going to be filled with sorrow. You know, he asked who's willing to try to save the world that's destined to die. Who's willing to try? Who is willing to try? Save a world to save a world that 
that's destined to that die. That is destined to die. It's, it's not an upbeat song, but it's really plaintive. And when he asks, you know, to save the babies, you just feel his heart jumping out right there. It's a plea to people for people to care. And uh, he really poured his all into it. You know, we are celebrating the 50th anniversary of this album, What's Going On. And, you know, it was written, you know, during the Vietnam War. Um, you know, there was police brutality going on there as well as, as you know, what we're seeing today. And I'm just curious, I mean, reflecting on this album, which was written 50 years ago, I mean, what parallels do you see there to what we're still facing today? I mean, the only thing that I don't see that is on that record that isn't currently is we're not literally in the midst of the Vietnam War. Everything else not only is still going, but has found new flourishings in recent times, whether we're talking about the new rise of opioid addiction we've seen in recent years. And that's what he's talking about back then, too. He's talking about opioids. He's talking about heroin in particular. Mm -hmm. That was the dope of choice back then. Um, police brutality. You know, a lot of that stuff had to do with anti-war demonstrations. That's what sparked the whole title track, which sparked the whole album. Don't punish me with brutality. But of course, this is fresh. This is during the, the, the height of the civil rights movement. So people are uh, asserting themselves as people who have a right to not be terrorized by the people paid, they pay to protect them. That's still going on. The terror he has at the specter of ecological disaster, it's realer than ever. Radiation underground and in the sky. And uh, I wish that uh, the urgency that he put into messaging around that about what was happening to our air and our water and the land had been better observed and that things wouldn't be farther along. These things are all the more poignant these days. You know, talking about racism. I think uh, at a certain point in my life, probably during like the 90s, I just assumed hearing tales about the civil rights movement from my parents, that there was something fought for and it was just kind of dissipating. Racism and white supremacy was just kind of gonna die out. And, and we were living in a world that was past that. And I never could have imagined that I would hear stories that would take me back to the stories my parents told me. And I would talk to my father and he would not feel very optimistic about the direction of things in America. So all of these things continue to flourish. This album, a half century later, is just as poignant as it ever was. And it's just as important a warning and uh, even more so i think than it might have been in 1970 mm. 
Well, I've been speaking with Larry Mizell Jr. about the 50th anniversary of Marvin Gaye's album, What's Going On. Larry, thank you so much for sharing all your knowledge with us. Thank you, Emily. Thank you so much. That was Sound and Vision. I'm Larry Mizell Jr. Please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. And if you have the means, please consider giving a one-time $20 donation to support this podcast at kxp.org backslash sound. Thanks for listening.